This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Well, after skin cancer, prostate cancer is the most common cancer amongst men in the United States, principally found in older men greater than the age of 50. And today's treatment options range from surgery to remove the prostate, to radiation, to active surveillance when the tumor is slow-growing and non-aggressive. However, new advances in systemic treatment are now available, and here to tell us more about these advances is Dr. Bernie Poise. He's a professor of medicine at the Upstate's Cancer Center. Welcome, Dr. Poise. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So systemic therapy is now available for men with prostate cancer. What exactly do we mean when we say systemic therapy? Well, what, what we mean are, are medications that you would take that would be distributed throughout the body by your, your blood system, hence the, the term systemic. And it's usually um, intended to treat metastatic disease, disease that's spread from the prostate to either lymph nodes, bones, uh, other organs, either macroscopically, meaning we can see it on scans, etc., or theoretically microscopically because the patient has high-risk disease. So basically these are uh, therapies that have been approved by the FDA for treatment in the later stages of prostate cancer. So does that mean that the first earlier things we talked about like removal of the prostate, surgical removal, or radiation treatment, those are still the kind of first lines of therapy? Yeah, those are your mainstay, uh, mainstay treatments. Mo most men with prostate cancer are cured of their prostate cancer or die from something else besides the prostate cancer. So most men with prostate cancer do not need systemic therapy, but others uh, you know, have it spread, and that's where you know, the systemic therapies come into play. So is this something that has changed over you know, recent years in terms of our understanding of the biology of cancer? I mean, these new therapies, t I mean, tell us, give us a kind of a, a perspective on how and, and why they've developed. Well, I'm, I'm one of the older doctors here at Upstate. I've, I've been an oncologist for 40 some years. Um, and I've seen you know, the, the progress over all these decades. We've always known that prostate cancer, you know, most prostate cancer is still under male hormone control. Male hormones are driving the cells to proliferate and eventually metastasize. So we've known for a long time that if we interrupt the male hormone signal to the cancer cells, we can affect the growth of the cancer cells. In the old days, uh, we would do an orchiectomy. We would remove a patient's gonads to decrease their testosterone. We also would give high-dose estrogens, which had lots of uh, side effects and problems that made them uh, worse than, than the treatment. Over the years, as we understand the biology of this hormonal control and understand the molecular biology of how the cell's dividing, we've come up with better hormonal therapies and also the systemic treatments that interrupt the growth cycle of the cells. The other development, it's long been suspected that prostate cancer and other cancers are under immune control by our body. And that's led to decades of research and now finally FDA approved drugs that attack the cancer you know, immunologically. So let's go through these a little. You've been alluding to this, this word hormone therapy and mentioning immunologic therapy. Let's go through and talk a little bit more about what exactly they are. So when you say hormone therapy, as you just alluded to, the growth of the cancer cells is in some way controlled through male hormones. Explain that a little bit more. And how is this new hormone therapy um, delivered and how, does it, how is it effective? Well, we, we know that prostate cancer is driven to proliferate, normal prostate cells as well, 
by male androgens that circulate through the body. These are produced in a number of different organs. The main site is the male testicle, but we also know that they're produced in the adrenal glands, which sit on top of the kidneys. And now we know that even some prostate cancer cells make their own male hormone. They endogenously secrete and feed themselves. That hormone has to bind to a receptor on the cell surface, and then it's trafficked down to the nucleus of the cell where the signal to divide occurs. As we understand more and more of these molecular steps, you can develop therapies that attack each one of these steps. So basically what you're attempting to do is preventing that connection and therefore the signal to divide. And in that sense, you're, you're preventing the cancer from the proliferating. Correct. You're, you're essentially short-circuiting the signal transduction process such that the cell never receives the message divide. So it basically, can it, can it shrink prostate tumors and also kind of make them go away or prevent the growth? Yes, it, it, it decreases the proliferation of the cancer cells, so they tend not to grow where they're at. They tend to have a decreased chance of metastasizing. Uh, when you arrest a cancer cell in its development, it can go through a series of processes that uh, lead ultimately to death. Just from simple senescence, the cell gets old and dies. And then uh, every once in a while, if it tries to drive through the replication cycle and cannot, the cell recognizes something is wrong and, and essentially commits suicide. The term we use is apoptosis. Interesting. So basically, how, who are the candidates for this kind of therapy? I mean, we've alluded to it earlier that there are people who are maybe more progressed in their disease, but who are being recommended? Who's being recommended for this kind of therapy at this time? Well, definitely patients with metastatic disease and certainly those who, who are having symptoms from it, bone pain, organ uh, failure, a lymph node pushing on a ureter or blocking the bladder, etc. So in other words, in these cases, the, the patient basically, the, the cancer has, so, so to speak, escaped from the prostate and is now proliferating within the body at large in various places. Correct. They, these patients would have stage 4 disease, so they, they would have widespread disease that still could grow relatively slowly, but what you're try and it, it would be incurable. But what you're trying to do is palliate the patients and prevent the onset of symptoms, prevents destruction of organs and pain, uh, and also impact survival. It's now clear that these therapies do make an impact on the overall survival of the patient versus not giving them any treatment. So they do live longer Correct. with the, uh, the treatment. Let's go on to chemotherapy. Chemotherapy was something I'd always heard, well, we don't do chemotherapy for prostate cancer, but that's not the case now. Well, we, we've done chemotherapy for prostate cancer for a long period of time. Unfortunately, the problem has been that it's not been that efficacious. Whereas it's worked relatively well in certain cancers, it's not worked all that well in prostate cancer. But recently, over the past 10 years or so, there are several uh, agents have been identified which do have activity in prostate cancer and do um, improve survival. So who again would be a patient that would be you know, appropriate for that kind of treatment? Again, it's going to be a patient that has metastatic disease. Usually, um, and in the, the recent past, we've 
delayed the use of cytotoxic chemotherapy, more toxic, more side effects, till after a patient's cancer has progressed and become resistant to all the hormonal maneuvers that we have. We usually go through hormonal maneuver, hormonal maneuver, hormonal maneuver, and at the very end of the patient's course, that's when we use systemic chemotherapy. Now all that's being challenged. There's been studies that shown that if a patient has high volume disease, lots of bone mets, organ involvement, those patients do better if we treat their metastatic disease right from the beginning with both chemotherapy and hormonal therapy. The other instance where we're tending to move the chemotherapy up front is in high-risk primary cancer. If a man has a high Gleason score, a high PSA, if we know that his tumor has descended outside the prostatic capsule into the seminal vesicle, we know that there's a high chance that that disease will come back after primary chemotherapy and radi or primary surgery and radiation therapy. So now we're moving those cytotoxic drugs up as adjuvant therapy after they've completed their primary modality therapy. That makes a lot of sense. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm Linda Cohen along with oncologist Dr. Bernie Poison. and we're talking about some new systemic treatments for prostate cancer. So we've talked about um, hormone therapy, chemotherapy. The big thing on the horizon is this immunotherapy. You're hearing about it in cancer treatment of, of very many types. Tell us about how that's being impacted in terms of prostate. Well, for a long time, investigators have felt that there is immunologic control of a lot of different cancers, and in particular, prostate cancer. Excuse me, I just want to make this clear. So when you say immunologic control, that our own immune system has the capability to fight cancer on some level? Correct. Even though these are the patient's own cells, these malignant cells, they're transformed enough that the immune system can see them as foreign as opposed to self and try to attack it. Now we now, we understand the immune system much, much better, even over the past couple years, in all honesty. We know there's multiple checks and balances on the immune system. And we've known in the past that vaccines have some efficacy in, in the treatment of prostate cancer. Um, and the one FDA approved uh, treatment has been the, what's the term is extracorporeal vaccine, the, the, the patients' immune cells are vaccinated in the laboratory, outside the body, and then reinfused back into the patient. That This medication is called Provenge. Um, so far, it, it, the, the data on um, immunotherapy is that it has um, improved survival of the patients. You don't actually see much in the way of shrinkage of the tumor with Provenge. The PSAs don't go down. But at the end of three years, twice as many people are alive than without the Provenge. So it's FDA approved, and now there's multiple different approaches to try and improve on this immunologic stimulation to attack the tumor. Well, it's obviously happening in other forms of cancer as well with great efficacy, and I think recently they're talking about some drugs, Keytruda being one. Correct. Where, go ahead. Well, there's a whole class of drugs. There's, there's vaccines, all right, where you try to stimulate the body's immune system, again, either inside the body or outside the body, to attack the prostate cancer cells. And then there's uh, therapies where we try to jazz up the immune system, interleukin-2, uh, where you make it, what are called T-cells divide. Um, then there, we now understand that there's multiple uh, checks and balances on the immune system. We, 
We are exquisitely um, uh, wired that we don't attack our own body. So there's lots of different molecular steps that prevent our own immune system from attacking our own body. There's now multiple medications that can interrupt that and release the checks on the immune system such that the immune system can now attack the cancer. So they basically take the brakes off, so to speak. Correct, yeah. Governors, brakes, etc. Now, their side effects are that they can cause autoimmune disease. So you have to be very careful when you give these drugs that the person, you can't keep giving them if there's any sign that the person's reacting against their own body. Because as you so, so deftly stated that the immune system has all these checks and balances, but we know that in the real world there are these autoimmune diseases where the immune system has gone awry. So it seems to me it's kind of a, a very delicate balance that has to be struck. Correct, and we're, I would say we're in the infancy of doing this, and the question is, how much can you stimulate the immune system safely? If you started giving several of these drugs together, would you get a very excellent anti-tumor response, but the concern is, would you get autoimmune disease? Yeah, untoward consequences. Correct. So, very little bit of time we have left. There are also new systemic treatments for people who have metastases to their bones in terms of actual medications as well? Correct. And those have helped. What do they do? Well, there, there's two classes of drugs that are used for bone health. One's called a bisphosphonate, and the other is called a rank L inhibitor. The benefit of the rank L inhibitor over the bisphosphonate is that the uh, bisphosphonate has kidney toxicity. So if a patient has kidney disease already, you can't use it and you can cause it. And the rank L inhibitor doesn't have that. These don't really seem to make an impact on the survival of the patient. What they're intended to do is drive calcium and other minerals into the bone to promote bone health. Prevent fractures. Prevent fractures, prevent bone pain, etc. Um, and that, that's their main role. So we tend to use them in men that have lots of bone disease and symptoms from their bones. I don't want to miss this last point. What would you say, you said that we're moving in the direction of possibly using some of these new therapies, systemic therapies, instead of as at the last resort, perhaps moving them up to the first line of defense. Is that something you see happening in the near future? Oh, yes. There's a number of clinical trials and some that have been completed that show that using, say, chemotherapy and hormonal therapy for high-risk disease at a certain point seems to improve survival and response. Uh, we even have a study that's being brought uh, here at Upstate about using some of the newer hormonal therapies in men who you otherwise would manage by surveillance, men that are older that have a small amount of prostate cancer. And the question is, if we move these hormonal therapies up, does it make an impact on their overall survival? We don't know the answer. Well, it's a new frontier. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing all these very, very important new breakthroughs with us. My guest has been Dr. Bernie Poise, Professor of Medicine at the Upstate Cancer Center. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air.